Hello, my name is Pete Barham, and on behalf of Sirs Radio and FreakyTrigger.co.uk, I'd like to welcome you to the Lost Property Office. The forlorn hope of forgotten dreams, or at least forgotten stuff. A genuine hole in which items jostled, displaced, or just too darn big for pockets falls into. Battered, collected by caring souls, and deposited in the SOAS Lost Property Office. We all lose stuff, but here in the Lost Property Office, there's a chance for that stuff to get a second airing. I'll be guiding a guest through the items they've lost and hope to scrap them with some new items. Because this is not just a fake lost property office, not a fake radio lost property office at all. It's a real university one. I've invited my guests to have a rummage and see what they can find, and who knows, the rightful owner may be listening and can come and pick it up. Or at least, that was the plan. For I am the biggest loser of all this week. I happen to have lost a guest. Um, they know who they are, and unfortunately I found out earlier today they wouldn't be able to make the show. So much like there's always one column um, from any newspaper columnist where they tell you how tough it is to write a column, you're now going to get that one show I can do where I sit down and tell you about the lost property in my life, uh, the items that I've lost and the items that I've found today. So I have indeed rummaged through my own lost property office. I've put most of the items there, so I must admit I've honed for the most interesting stuff. Um, And I'm also going to have a quick word about um, a time when I've been lost, uh, stuff that I've lost and stuff that I've found. So um, at this point, if I was doing some kind of schizophrenic uh, episode, I would be sitting here and asking myself the following question. Um, Pete, can you tell me the item of most physical or personal value uh, or actual monetary value that you've ever lost? Um, And I would reply, um, and indeed will reply now, as follows. Um, And it's quite sad to tell this, so... Um, I, I, I think if you have a hanky at the ready, um, please be prepared. Um, I was seven, and it's interesting how so far on the show, for the previous six episodes, uh, all available up on freakytrigger.co.uk, we've been able to say this, that the majority of losing stories have taken place in people's childhoods, particularly ones when people have been lost. But um, definitely this one takes place when I'm seven. Uh, it's our first holiday abroad. Um, my family, um, my sister and my parents, uh, my grandmother and a uh, great-aunt um, took a trip to Malta, um, the wonderful jeweling island, jeweled and bedazzled island in the middle of the Mediterranean. Very hot. Um, parents are not seasoned foreign, uh, foreign travellers and thus uh, a bit worried about the food. So the moment on the first night we alighted upon um, tasty swordfish, um, it pretty much became all we ate for the next two weeks. But nevertheless, it was a beautiful place. I was learning to swim at the time and um, being thrown into, as opposed to my uh, swimming learning lessons when I was at home, uh, which would take place in the pool, which was barely two feet deep, um, I was being taught to swim by my dad, um, who I would suggest you don't either get taught to swim by or even get taught to drive by, and indeed I didn't do that, but... Um, uh, taught to swim in a jetty um, off the uh, the area where we were staying, which was about 30 feet deep. Um, all that was stopping me drowning was uh, my dad, who was normally nearby, and some um, apple um, designs, or not, and when I say apple designs, um, forgive me for confusing you there. This was 1980, and uh, Apple, um, Microsoft Apple, um, would have been a twinkle, or was at least not in the um, flotation device market. So when I say Apple design, they were armbands, which had a little cheery apple on it, as if to say, I will save you from drowning, says the apple. Now, I'm not sure 
apples do float, um, hence apple bobbing. But nevertheless, it's not the first thing you think of when you think of armbands. It's all we could get, and I must admit, even even at that point, my dad wasn't particularly happy in um, giving me some armbands uh, in the first place. Um, he felt that this would stop me learning to swim, because I think uh, he saw Rolf Harris say that once. Um, there was some swimming programme in the 70s. I digress, as I will be wont to doing because I'm talking to myself. Um, anyway, on said holiday, um, I ended up, uh, we ended up going on a boat trip from um, the main Maltese island around to the two secondary islands in the archipelago, um, oh, lovely word, um, which are Cosima uh, and Gozo. Um, definitely Gozo. I remember Gozo. Um, on the way back, um, I suppose I was I was quite excited. I was enjoying myself. It was a very nice time. I was swinging my legs over the side of the boat, at which point my British Home Store's brown flip-flop on my left foot, I remember that uh, detail's very important, hit the side of the boat and decided to dislodge itself from my foot. And away it went, drifting, drifting into the Mediterranean. I was very disturbed i was, I was I, these these flip-flops have basically not been off my feet apart from at night for the last two weeks as i watched it bobbing away i looked up at my father this grand bear-like protector of a man and i remember saying to him daddy my flip-flop and he looked back at me shrugged in a less bear-like way let's say um and just said well, what do you want me to do about it? Without a beat, I turned right back to him and said, jump in. Now, I know as an adult now, I see how ridiculous the um, the suggestion that he might risk his life to save a single flip, not even a pair of flip-flops, a single flip-flop would be. However, at the time, it was very important to me. And, and I, was, I was devastated when he looked back at me as if I were mad, and suggested that perhaps when we got back to port, we would buy some new ones. Um, and, and then my mother joined in to tell me off for losing it in the first place, because obviously I had been careless in, in being carefree, as a seven-year-old is wont to do. So whilst that doesn't sound like a thing of major monetary value, um, it taught me the lesson, which um, every child has to come to somewhere along the line, and perhaps I hit it late, that our parents are not super beings, that they cannot turn back time, they cannot change things. Things that are lost are often lost forever. But sometimes I look at that um, that brown flip-flop and think, I do hope it's still out there, on the sea somewhere, perhaps as a small raft for um, mice um, escaping from a volcano or one of those um, islands which is going to be Soon underwater, or you know, Manila. No, not Manila. Um, oh, you know that. You know the place I'm talking about, anyway. Um, that whole idea that it's still bobbing there, that it's made of such a waffly brown substance that it will just bounce around. But talking, and this is the bit I like the most, really. Talking of waffly brown substances, as I've just been talking for some quite some time, I think I'm going to go into my first piece of music now. I found um, uh, not even a USB stick. I, I, I've, I've Scooted past the giant wallet of lost CDs, I've actually found a little memory stick, a memory card, um, and the memory card did have not only um, music on it, but also um, a film, which I will come to a little bit later. But first, I haven't actually decided which one to go yet, but I think I'm going to go for the, um, there's two albums on here, I think there's uh, a various articles, Tropicalia, Panis de Circumcentis, 
Oh, the other one is Novos Banaios, uh, Akubo Corali. So I'm going to go with that one, and I'm going to go straight to... Um, let's go to track six, which is Mysterio do Planeta. Uh, mysterious planet? Mysterio of the, mystery of the planet? Who knows? Let's give it a go and see how it sounds. It's um, coming up now, hopefully. Mostrando como sou e vou sendo como posso Jogando meu corpo no mundo Andando por todos os cantos e pela lei natural dos encontros Eu deixo e recebo um tanto e passo aos olhos nus Ou vestidos de lunetas, passado, presente Participo sendo o mistério do planeta Piropó Vou mostrando como sou E vou sendo como posso Jogando meu corpo no mundo Andando por todos os cantos E pela lei natural dos encontros Eu deixo e recebo um tanto E passo aos olhos nus Ou vestidos de lunetas Passado, presente Participo sendo o mistério do planeta o tríplice mistério do stop Que eu passo por e sendo ele No que fica em cada um No que sigo o meu caminho E no ar que fez que assistiu Abra um parênteses Não esqueça Que independente disso Eu não passo De um malandro De um moleque do Brasil Que peço e dou esmolas Mas ando e penso sempre com mais de um Por isso ninguém vê minha sacola Vou mostrando como sou E vou sendo como posso Jogando meu corpo no mundo Andando por todos os cantos E pela lei natural dos encontros eu deixo e recebo um tanto e passo aos olhos muito Ou vestidos de luneta, passado, presente Participo sendo o mistério do planeta O tríplice mistério do stop Que eu passo por e sendo ele no que fica em cada um No que sigo o meu caminho e no ar que fez que assistiu Abra um parênteses, não esqueça Que independente disso, eu não passo de um malandro de um moleque do Brasil Que peço e dou esmolas Mas ando e penso sempre com mais de um Por isso ninguém vê minha sacola Um bem, boy, oh, um bem, bota um dói, oh, um bem, um bem Tu pira, pira, boy, oh, um bem Ai, ó, tu pira, boy, oh, um bem, ó Pira, boy, oh, um bem Ai!
So that's um, Mysterio do Planeto. Um, off, I'm what I'm assuming is an album um, called, let's get out again, um, Akubo Corare. It says 1972. Um, I'm thinking it's Brazilian. Um, it could be Portuguese, but I'm guessing Brazilian. Um, and I quite like that. That was quite nice, that. Um, you find all sorts of stuff. My next question I would be asking myself, and I'm asking myself, um, is what have I found? And I can't really... I mean, what, what item have I found that's been most most value, all that kind of stuff? I can't really say that um, any of the stuff that's in the Lost Property Office I've strictly found. I'm the holding place for that, so it's more that that's come to me um, than I've gone out there and actually found. But, um, so the thing, I think, oddly... I mean, it, it, again, um, it's it's a slightly sideways look at this question... Um, and if everyone did that, then it wouldn't be a sideways look. And it does concern me sometimes um, that everyone is looking for the funny answer rather than the right answer. But for me, actually, probably the item I found of, um, of greatest value for me was £5. Um, now, it's not because £5 is an awesomely huge amount of money to me, though I, had I been seven again uh, in flip-flop mooting, losing mode, it probably would have been pretty um, uh, Good value for me, a fiver then. Uh, when Isaac Newton was on the fiver, he, it was certainly worth something. No, sorry, he was on a pound pound note. When Florence Nightingale was on a fiver, it's, yeah, and, and I don't, can't even remember going back that far, who was on a tenner or further up. Um, Christopher Wren was on the first £50 note I ever saw. Anyway, fiver uh, in the streets uh, on Tottenham Court Road, uh, the NatWest, um, just by the pub The Rising Sun on Tottenham Court Road. Many people will know it. Um, and I was using said um, bank, I was using a bank machine on the edge of that bank um, to take out some money to go for a drink that night. I believe I was with a previous guest, Magnus, um, that night and other people. Um, so transaction was um, taking place and just as I was nearing the end of my transaction, the person standing behind me very kindly and nicely tapped me on the shoulder and said, excuse me, is that your fiver on the floor? Um, you know... Um, Okay, you might be asking yourself, if you've got a fiver, why are you going to the bank machine? You don't always think that way, you're always halfway through the process, and also, a fiver's not enough for a decent drink, and you're not going to go in and then come back out again. So, I I bent down, and and I suppose it's a human nature moment to go down and bend down and get that fiver, and and it was possible, it had been in my pocket, loose, and when I pulled my wallet out, it popped out, hadn't known it was there, it's there. Whatever, who's going to turn down a fiver um, in that situation? Return back up, to see that the my card, um, which should have been on its way out of the machine, was gone. Money was coming out of the machine. The twenty pounds I was taking out had actually come out was just coming out of the machine at that point in time. Quick turn around. The person who had tapped me on the shoulder, the young gentleman who had tapped me on the shoulder, was pegging it down the street. Um, I couldn't see exactly, but I can't see anyone else who could have done this. He'd stolen my card. Um, I am not. I mean, as as you as you hear from the tragedy of my um, flip flop. I am not someone who loses stuff. I am not someone who... I I fancy myself as being a touch streetwise. I am not the kind of guy who loses stuff. And I'm not the kind of guy who who is a victim of crime, as I believe um, we call people in this situation. Um, I felt a bit sick. I felt a little bit uncomfortable. So I um, went back to the pub very quickly. Uh, I remember speaking to Magnus. This, this is before I had a mobile phone. Uh, so we're looking at the 90s though I was quite a late adopter of the mobile phone anyway, but it was it was definitely before I had a mobile phone. And um, I explained what happened, and um, 
Magnus luckily had his mobile phone and we called very briefly my um, my card, my bank, cancelled the card, um, and that was it. Uh, I had to next day go to a uh, police station in Kentish Town to report the theft of the card, but actually, in the scheme of things, the trauma was quite short-lived. I was well aware, if I hadn't been made well aware by um, other friends and people being in the banking profession, that the UK credit card laws and debit card laws are really quite watertight. So, and had having had reported it within about a minute, um, I have no doubt that the person behind me had in as much as taking my card, also memorised my PIN. And indeed, they did try to take money out. Um, but it had already been cancelled by the time they'd made it to the machine they were going to. So, yes, I lost my card. And yes, I lost my um, Streetwise badge for that week. And yes, perhaps I lost my overall belief in the sanctity of human nature. But I made a fiver out of it. So it's the only time I've actually been a proper victim, victim, victim of crime. And I made money out of it which makes me feel a little better about the whole affair. You figure. You you think about that and, and, and tell me how you feel about that. Um, that's what the comments are for. And suddenly feeling quite lonely in this room on my own. Um, next question um, would normally be, uh, where have I been lost? Um, I'm, I'm going to come back to that because I've actually bought, because I thought I might need a few things to bulk us out a bit, I bought a few extra items up with me. Um, here's my first item. Uh, which you can hear here. Students at SOAS, um, when they're losing stuff, they don't just lose books and uh, umbrellas. They quite often lose food. And quite often the food is going off when they've lost it. And, and the problem sometimes occurs when they leave it in a slightly opened-up-wear box in the middle of a bag that we haven't looked at properly and so it slowly, slowly starts rotting. That stuff gets thrown away. Sometimes they lose food which they've recently bought. And here I have a packet of Whitworth's couscous. Um, made indeed, as, as all couscous should be, from Durham Wheat Semolina. A delicious alternative to rice in salads and savoury dishes, if you're out of a want to put rice in a salad, which I must admit I'm not. Um, but I do know the kind of rice salads they mean, actually, now I think about it. It's those ones with sweet corn in that you get in... Well, you got you got in the eighties. Um, you probably still do now. Um, the main reason I picked up this 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 bag of couscous. I mean, I do like couscous a lot. Um, is because I love recipes on the back of food packages. Um, the recipe on this one is for fruity couscous. Um, and really, all there, no stops have been pulled out on this one. Uh, all, it really is the most complicated. Couscous recipe I've seen in quite some time. Bearing in mind that what I normally do with couscous is couscous and a little bit of stock, maybe. There might be a garlic clove, there might be a squeezing over a butter, a knob of butter, and squeezing over lemon juice. This this works out at you know twenty five grams of couscous. Um, doesn't say how much it feeds though, but let's assume it's full. Twenty five grams of couscous, hundred fifty millilitres apple juice, hundred fifty millilitres of water, some butter. A large onion, two large cloves of garlic, one tablespoon of ground coriander, 75 grams of Whitworth seeds, raisins, though no other raisins will be appropriate, and 75 grams of Whitworth sultanas, two sticks of celery, one small red pepper, one small green pepper, one teaspoon of mixed, dried mixed herbs, seasoning, taste, fresh coriander. I think that's an awful lot to make so-called fruity couscous, which would still be disappointing as a meal on its own because as much as I like couscous, it does need 
the backing of a of a lamb chop or a leg of lamb or something like that or um uh, some chicken I, I i don't know i mean it's, i i think couscous is a very very nice accompaniment but it's not a meal in its own right um but there's not much more i can say about couscous um apart from it, oh, i can't ever open a packet of couscous without spilling about a quarter over my kitchen um and maybe we can count our days as, as grains as down on the beach, but I like to think of my days as more of couscous spilled over my kitchen floor. Okay, um, the other things I've found um, downstairs and I've brought up, um, well, one of the other things actually was also on this memory stick, um, and is also a little bit of cross-promotion for something else I did last week. Um, I Last week um, I was a guest and, and produced a show for uh, an ex-guest on this show, um, Pamela Hutchinson of Silent London, uh, which is silentlondon.co.uk. Um, last week did her first podcast about silent films, and I was very, very proud to be a guest on said show. Um, not only was I guest, um, I ended up talking vaguely knowledgeable, knowledgeably about a number of silent films. So I was quite pleased um, when on putting this uh, memory card in my computer to discover the following and um those of you who are the kind of people who might listen to both shows i wonder if you can recognize this music uh if it plays well. So that is. Um, I'm actually, actually. I've decided not to tell you what it is at all. Um, it is a score um, to a. Hmm. Now, see, if I'm going to run this as a competition, I've kind of always wanted to do a competition and never really done one properly. Um, uh, the problem is how I ask this question may give it away straight away. It's the uh, score to a film, um, which is a sort of silent movie that will probably give it away um if you know what the score is and i'm gonna let it tiptoe in the background for a bit um i'll let you um try and work out what it was um and uh if you if you if you get it um then a you win being a guest on the show particularly if you can uh turn up on time um but also uh, i will buy you um a copy of uh, a silent film of your choice. Um, so I so said the po- silent, silent movie, uh, silent London podcast um, is available to download, and, and I am a big silent film fan. Um, uh, the interesting about that music is when I when I put it on, it reminded me not so much of silent movie scores um, as uh, the kind of intro music they used to have to 
uh, black and white um, the black and white serials um, which they would show on the BBC back in summer holidays when I was a kid so things like Undersea Kingdom and Zorro and so on um, which would just have these wonderful um, very very stagey scores um, at the beginning and then we'd we'd show the be seen the uh, bits of the previous episode which they miss a little bit out of um, what I particularly like, I mean, there's a there's a classic one which I always remember seeing, which was um, King of the Rocket Men, which was a, uh, a great little serial. But um, would always have the here's the ending of the uh, you know the, the van goes over the cliff and he's stuck inside and, and the whole thing blows up and how will he get out of that? Then and in the beginning of that show, and I you know it was always like oh it's something you didn't see that actually show us something that didn't happen. I remember very clearly that the previous episode, and since, of course, being able to watch these things on um, DVD since, I've actually seen it. And yes, indeed, they, the endings of the previous serials would show a van going without someone escaping, and then the start of the next one would show that said van escaping. So it's a very... Um, uh, I suppose it's where I learnt that those things can lie at you, you know, the, the serials and TVs, and just basically the camera... Not so much never lies as kind of always lies. Um, oh, listen, to this, listen to that. I'm expecting. I'm expecting some people to get this. Um, uh, so anyway, so when have I been lost, or where indeed have I been lost? Um, again, I'm not the kind of person who gets lost easily. I've got a very, very good general sense of direction. You give me a map for about a minute and I've got a vague idea of how to get across town um, even in the most confusing places um, however I mean I suppose that, that's that's a legacy of being a Londoner um, streets aren't straight uh, diagonals are everywhere so you just keep wandering and also you know there is that difference between am I lost or am I just not at a point that I recognise yet um, That and that's often the case so I'm quite surprised that the last time I think I was genuinely lost and semi-scared for my life um, was still in this country was in York um, I was up for a stag night um, this would be about 10 years ago now um, I didn't know York at all um, but we got out and we were staying at the university we got out for the night and as as is um, I think traditional in stag night we had imbibed a number of soft drinks um, often with harder drinks uh, dissolved into them um, but um, so and it had been a long trip up, and for some reason I decided to leave a little bit earlier. I think there was, a, there was a group going clubbing, going to their old university haunts, and I didn't care for what sounded like what would be their club experience. So I thought I'll, I'll save myself for the paintballing the next day, and I'll head off back to um, my dorm room. Um, the easy one, I remember coming down there, and we'd taken a circuitous route, to say the least, down the long road, down the hill, and... And it felt also we'd had gone over the crest of the hill and gone down. So on the way back, and being quite drunk and very confident, I thought, there is a straight line path. And and started heading through that straight line path. It seemed very clear to me. Um, admittedly, the road, you know, that that slightly deviated a little bit. But all roads, all roads um, lead to Rome uh, or York, which was part of the Roman Empire, so that'll, that'll do me. Um, and after a little bit, it started deviating into what can only be described as um, a British trailer park, uh, which would be part um, traveller encampment, tra- part um, cheap mobile home housing. Um, I don't have a particular problem with that. My grandmother 
had a uh, car- static caravan when I was very small, um, a holiday one, and holidayed nicely. I mean, I must admit, I was a little, you know, it was a bit dimmer. It was residential in a paper-thin wall sort of way. And as I walked through this uh, York um, caravan site, I started to get a little bit wary. Wasn't sure, you know, they, they were all stacked upon each other quite a bit. It wasn't clear whether my super straight line route was any longer being that much of a straight line route um and then the bane of my life in these situations um a dog appeared i am not a fan of dogs i'm not a fan of animals but dogs um of the barky sort um you know the dogs where the bark um is often said to be worse than the bite but even if the bark is worse than the bite the bite is probably going to be pretty bad. It was one of those. It was a, um, a snub-nosed dog of some form, uh, which had left cutes behind about seven generations before and was now just aggressive. It was almost certainly called Tyson. Um, it was almost certainly um, frustrated about aspects of its life and wanted to take it out on me. And... Was not it was not clear to me at the time how well chained up it was. Um, I've always been led to believe that uh, dogs can smell your fear, um, and I do have another story about that, but I'm not I'm not telling that one tonight. Um, so of course my line is you know if they can smell your fear then they can damn well see your fear if you fear you start running and once you're in a foot race with a dog it's all over. I've been I've been greyhound racing. Uh, if they can catch a bionic rabbit, they can catch me. So I'm walking past this, uh, it starts barking. I speed up slightly, but dog can see my fear. Dog can, in the end, the dog wanted me anyway, but it starts running at me. I start running away. Um, it suddenly gets, there's a, there's a big snapping noise as it gets called short by the uh, choke chain that it happened. It was, it was on a lead or on some kind of chain, but it was quite a long chain. I suppose it allowed it to roam around the front of the caravan to... Uh, stop unweary folks. I mean, in the end, I guess caravans are relatively difficult to secure, so perhaps that's what it was there for. Um, it's about one in the morning, and it appeared that everybody on this uh, static caravan site had a dog of some form. Um, so at that point, yeah, the chorus all happened, and there was a number of this <laughs> snap. It's not, I need some snapping noise there. Um, as all these dogs come out, and run at me um, in various ways. Um, there was one very, very small kind of Yorkie Terrier, which, as F, as you know, are quite aggressive and will get in the act, even if I could probably have that in a fight. Um, at this point, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit embarrassed. Um, no, actually, no. Embarrassed is the wrong word. Scared. And I actually do start running. And I'm, I'm at that point now, do I want to run back? I know the way back. I know the way back up from there. Or do I keep going? Do I keep going? I'm running now, so I just keep going and um, keep going until I get to a fence and there is no way back. There is no way out apart from going back the way I came. And whilst the dogs, I think I think every owner of dogs in that situation are aware that anything can set them off. They're not going to look out the window, so they don't really care that much. They still didn't turn around and go, um, I still felt embarrassed walking back past these dogs who all snapped and barked again. I felt embarrassed that I was state. I finally stated that I was lost, and a ten aggressive, frustrated, possibly sexually frustrated, almost certainly sexually frustrated dogs, um, got to look at me, humiliate myself in front of them. 
Um, and that's why I try not to get lost, um, let alone in front of people, but in front of dogs. So, yeah, that's um, when I was lost. Um, so the other thing we do at this point is a book. Um, uh, this book uh, came in about a week ago and is quite old. Uh, you can hear it there. It's a hardback book. It says no blurb on the outside, merely its name. Anatomy, Physiology and Hygiene, a textbook for nurses by A. Millicent Ashdown and E. Fleasby. Um, e. Uh, Fleasby, yes. Fleasby's an unusual name, isn't it? Oh, Bleasby, sorry. Uh, a. Millicent Ashdown is from Burnley Yapland in Sussex, and E. Bleasby is from Lambeth Hospital. Um, I'd like to read you... So this is a 1935 book. It is quite well battered. There are some colour plates in it of anatomy, um, and it is really just, you know, all you need to know about the anatomy of the body uh, is in here. You know, you, where the cuboid point... All the bones of the hand, which are the oscaltis, the... Achalagius, the cuboid, the scaphoid, the internal cuneiform, middle cuneiform, external cuneiform, metatarsal bones of your fingers, and phalanges at the end of the bones. I didn't know that. Sorry, that was a foot, not a hand. It looks like it, lo- it looks like a a hand, but it's clearly a foot. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, it's good to know. You, I do like to learn stuff on this. Nineteen thirty-five book, um, but yeah, again, let's go back to imagine yourself in nineteen thirty-five, trained to be a nurse. And you read this forward. Um, would we get this these days? I doubt it. Books play a small part in the education of a good nurse. The qualities that endear her to her patients and the experience that enables her to carry out their treatment can only be gained in the practice of nursing, whether that nursing be done in the wards of a hospital or in private houses. Books, however, must play some part. And as the syllabus of the Greater Nursing Council covers a whole wide world of sciences, it's essential that the books that nurses use should be written in as short a form as the syllabus allows us and as clearly as the technical nature of the subject permits. The writers of this book have both had long experience of teaching and examining nurses and it's hoped that it will form a suitable companion to the well-known textbook which one of them has already written which has been of such great value to many generations of nursing through their training. It doesn't mention that book at all though it is quite clear it's very important. Um... Obviously, there's a assumption that the nurse is female, um, and which I still think people make these days. But it's a, a suggestion, not book learning, it's doing. And that's nice to know. Um, just flicking through it, um, let's go to... Okay, yes, the normal diet of man. Um, wait, let's see. Um, let's talk about... Okay, yes, uh, the contamination of milk. Milk is secreted in the healthy cow's udder is a sterile fluid, but it's a good medium for the rapid growth of bacteria. When these gain access, they multiply, so that by the time it reaches the consumer, it may contain large numbers. Bacteria may be added to the milk as follows. Here's some ways that milk can get dirty. A. At the time of milking, by the milker's hands, or by droplets, by dirt from the cow or cow shed, from dirty utensils or utensils washed in contaminated water. B. In a shop, by dirty utensils, dust and flies. And C, in the consumer's home, if proper precautions are not taken in observing the following rules. Milk should be received into scrupulously clean and covered vessels, kept in sterile sterile bottles. Milk should be kept in a clean, cool place, away from any strong-smelling food or vegetables. Always cover your milk. New milk should not be mixed with stale milk, unless to be used at once for cooking purposes. And that's true, uh, milk goes off, as we know. Um, it's, it's a lovely book, this, actually. Uh, it might be one that I'll, I'll add to my collection at home um 
a little picture here of the ossicles of the ear, the stapes, which uh, the malleus and the incus. Uh, nice cross section of the eye. I like a good, I like a good anatomical cross section as well. So anyway, that yeah, I like that. That's um, that's very nice. Um, okay, I'm going to jump onto another track now because there was another album on this um, CD. Uh, on the sorry, on this little memory disc, um, which uh, there's, um, I think this may actually be a music student because uh, there's. Music notes, music notes for Lilia here. There's, there's, it appears to be an essay um, about Don Giovanni. Um, so yes, um, so that was uh, the Abucard Tirare, um, I think. Uh, yes. So this one is the other album, which is uh, VA, which I'm assuming still means various articles. Uh, Tropicalia Upanis the Circumstances, 1968, from which I'm gonna go. Track um, five, which is called Park Industrial. Um, which, yet again, my um, my Brazilian is probably going to go with that's a industrial park. <laughs> No cordão, grande festa em toda a nação Desperta com orações O avanço industrial Vem trazer nossa redenção Tem garotas propaganda Para moças e ternura no cartaz Basta olhar na parede, minha alegria num instante se refaz. Pois temos o sorriso engarrafado, já vem pronto e tabelado. É somente requentar e usar. É somente requentar e usar. Industrial vem trazer nossa redenção. A revista moralista traz uma lista dos pecados da vedete e tem jornal popular que nunca se espreme porque pode derramar. De sangue encadernado, já vem pronto e tabelado. É somente folhear e usar. É somente folhear e usar.
Yeah, I, I definitely get the sense that this is Brazilian. Um, that's Park Industrial, um, who I have no idea who it's by, um, but it's Brazilian, and I believe it's from 1968, and it's from an album called... Tropicalia. Um, so I'm going to wrap up now. I've got one more question to ask myself, and it's the question I always find very, very difficult to ask, which is, what is the one thing um, that has been lost by humanity um, that, if it was returned, um, would make the world a better place? And I always laugh when other people go, good manners and stuff like that to this question, because it's a, it's a, you know, in, in the end, I kind of want people to turn around and say... Ooh, do you remember briefly when they used to do breakaways covered in caramac and and you know I'm very very tempted with that um but actually you know in some ways there is that um what is lost um is a sense of innocence and wonder about the world I won't say much more than that it's just I think that the the it's with the so easy to see so much and do so much now that um that actually the what we've lost is the unknown, almost, is that what is there to discover in the world? I read a really interesting book about 10 years ago called The End of Science, which basically posited that um, science is pretty much pretty much all over. Um, there's not much left, um, and more importantly, not that there's not much left to discover, but actually that we know what... The, even if there is stuff to discover, we kind of know what it will be like. So... Now, I'm not sure that's strictly true, um, but it's interesting over the last few years when people have been finding exoplanets and so on, that the, you know, we hadn't found, five years ago, we hadn't found a a non-solar system planetoid. Um, We knew they must exist, but we hadn't done much looking at them. Now we've actually done, you know, we're not only finding them, we're getting some idea of what they're like. It won't be very long before we'll we'll be able to sit down and model what their climates might be like. When we actually get there, if we ever actually get there to these other planets, what will there be there to learn? We may, there may be life. Um, I know, almost certainly will be life somewhere else in the universe. But will it Will it be the kind of strange, bizarre life that um, science fiction writers can can go out there and draw, the stuff that they really wish? You know, that, that's that sense where you, where you see another tedious Hollywood blockbuster and the aliens are yet again crispy weird things with teeth and mouths inside their mouths and mouths inside those mouths have very sharp teeth and yes they've um invented i mean oh i saw cowboys and aliens every week and oh yeah they've invented things that go across the galaxy and all that kind of stuff. but basically deep down they are monsters inside uh they don't even wear clothes or anything you know and they're almost, but they're, and, and every one looks exactly the same because that's how you know they're the aliens so yeah i i think that's um and i think with the exception of perhaps the kind of life we might find on other planets, I think we know what we're going to find now. I think that the the wonder... Um, I mean, you know, is a kid going to go and watch John Carter and Mars now? Sorry, John Carter, and have much wonder? No, they, they're not, because there's not much to wonder about in the film. But at the same time, the idea that Mars might be the home of a, a strange race of tall, multi-armed people, and, and, and... It's all gone. It's all gone, and... Um, I suppose that loss of innocence and that loss of hope that I will ever go into space, for example. Uh, I'm never going to go into space, and that's, that is sad because the little me um, really wanted to. Um, so I'm going to play one more track as we as we work our way out, um, which is going to be a short version of um, Preta 
plenty in her. Um, thank you for listening. Don't worry. Next week's show, there will be a guest, um, and and there will never be a show of me on my own again. Touch wood. That's not wood. That's for Micah. Um, but um, thank you for listening. Um, if you've made it this far, you're a greater man than me. I say I will buy you um, a silent film of your choice uh, if you could name the music that I played earlier. And thank you very much for listening. On behalf of Sarge Radio and FreakyTrigger.co.uk, this has been the Lost Property Office, and I've been Pete Barron interviewing Pete Barron in said office. La, ya, da, da. Preta, preta, pretinha Preta, preta, pretinha Preta, preta, pretinha Preta, preta, pretinha Ah uh-huh.